A Quick Time Out podcast is presented by Dr. Dish Basketball. Dr. Dish machines are the most advanced shooting machines on the market. If you haven't already, join top programs like the Miami Heat, the Philadelphia 76ers, the Duke Blue Devils, and countless others and an upgrade to Dr. Dish Basketball. And now, save an extra $300 on select models when you mention Quick Time Out Podcast. To find out more, visit drdishbasketball.com. With over 430 league wins, he's turned Davidson Davy Community College into one of the elite junior college programs in the country, has over 10 conference championships, seven region championships, all sorts of top five finishes in the national tournament. He's men's basketball coach, Coach Matthew Ridge. Coach, welcome to the show. Thank you so much for having me, Tony. Uh, feel humbled and honored to be a part of your show. I appreciate that. Probably like a lot of coaches, I was scrolling through the championship productions library and I came across one of several videos that Coach Ridge has on there, half-court scramble defense, and that immediately caught my attention. And I thought, what better way to learn more about the system to watch the video, but then also to reach out to Coach Ridge and, and see if he'd be willing to talk about it. He was gracious enough to agree to that, so I appreciate him coming on. Coach, in generic terms, how would you describe your scramble defense? Well, 95 to 99% of it is things, you know, concepts I learned my during my time at Chapel Hill. I was blessed enough to be a part of the JV program my first two years in college in Chapel Hill under uh, Randy Will was my head coach. And then my second year as a sophomore, Dave Hanners. And then Coach Smith was gracious enough to let me be an assistant, student assistant JV coach my last two years under Phil Ford and Dave Hanners. So, just really blessed to be a very, very small part of the Carolina basketball family and tree. But the scramble defense is something that we don't run every single possession. It's something that we run uh, randomly throughout a game, depending on our opponent, depending on who their point guard is. We may trap him a little bit more often if we think that uh, it's somebody that um, may not be able to handle that type of pressure. But sometimes we run it to get it out of the point guard's hands as well. So there's multiple reasons as to why and when we run it. Um, but we do run it most games at some point just to see if we can generate some offense off our defense. Uh, there's several different ways to run it. You can trap the first pass across half court and rotate. And then, of course, the way we've been running it here the last few years is where we trap the point guard right across half court uh, and then get two interceptors and a goaltender. Um, a lot of times it will – lead to either a deflection, turnover, steal, fast break, or sometimes it will lead to a quick jump shot, which is also, unless they make it, of course, uh, beneficial to us as well. That's a perfect setup. I'm going to ask you about a lot of those things that you just mentioned here. But before that, would you say offense and defense side, you are attempting to play faster pace, or is this something that allows you to accelerate things? Absolutely. Um a big part of our philosophy is the same philosophy they have in Chapel Hill. If we are in better shape than you, and we feel like in, in most scenarios that is the case because our preseason, Tony, is incredibly difficult physically. Um, but at the same time, our entire philosophy isn't just to outscore people, outscore people. It's to wear them down over 40 minutes. Of course, we're pushing the ball on offense, and we're pressuring you and denying defensively and trapping and rotating. But over 40 minutes, if the game's close at the end, against those better opponents on our schedule, if we're in better shape than you and you're tired and fatigued and we're not, we should be able to out-execute you in the half court because that's where, you know, the, the really tough opponents, you know, the close games, they come down to half court execution, and we know that. So 
if we can wear you down and get you fatigued those last two, three, four minutes of the game, um, the theory is we should be able to out-execute you if you're fatigued and we're not. I've talked to several coaches here recently about defense and what's needed in regards to the individual effort. And they've been college coaches and they've made the comment to me one form or the other. One of the hardest things to get high school players moving into college to do is just to understand how hard they have to play and the effort that's required in order for them to not just guard any system in any system, but especially one like the one you just mentioned. Maybe even tell us about, you alluded to this, what you do preseason to prep them for that. How do you get that mentality that's needed for them to be successful in this particular type of system? Well, and the reality is in junior college, it's even more difficult than at a four-year school because you have so many new faces every single year. It's like you're recreating your culture almost every single season. Now, we've been blessed these last three years to have several returners and in some scenarios, We've had some three-year guys. This past season, we had Chase Mevin, who actually just last night committed to sign with Lenore Ryan University. Jarvis Tillman was a two-year starter, but a third-year player for us. And then uh, Aaron Ross. So we've been blessed to have some three-year guys because of COVID. But in general, when you don't have a turn of, turn of returners in junior college, you've got to find multiple ways to get your new guys, whether they be right out of high school freshmen or transfers from a four-year junior college, to understand just how hard you have to play. And one way we do that is we absolutely have very difficult, long practices from August to the end of October before we play our first game in early November. And the guys that are not just eat up, eat, sleep, and drink basketball get kind of weeded out. We bring in 20 to 25 guys, mm -hmm. and we dress 15, and every player knows that. So going into the season, uh, those first two and a half months, they're competing for a jersey. And, uh, you know, first-year guys sometimes struggle with two-and-a-half to three-hour practices, conditioning afterwards. Um, and then, of course, we have conditioning tests. Uh, but we also use film a lot. We film our practices as well as our games. And if we got, have a really, really good practice by an individual player, whether it be an effort thing or, you know, some, uh, some type of philosophy thing we're teaching, we'll clip that and show the guys the next day so I think the power of praise is important. You want to catch guys doing things the right way and praise them for it, but also show them on film because the eye in the sky don't lie. Now, we also use film for the other reason when guys aren't playing hard or maybe during a game, uh, if guys sitting on the bench pouting about his playing time, we will certainly highlight those things as well. But in terms of specifically what you ask about, Tony, we want to catch guys doing things the right way and praise that. Because anything in life, if you praise, you've got a much better chance of seeing that behavior repeated. So um, we, we use a brick save system as well. In practice, if a guy's not giving his best effort, we automatically give him something called a brick. And we have a manager keeping up that during practice. If we see somebody doing something really well, say denying or pressuring or whatever it is, rotating correctly when we trap off the ball, we'll give him a save. If you have five saves and eight bricks, all right, so you have eight bad things and five good things that you've done well, then you're at negative three. So after practice, you have three sprints of whatever sprint I choose. It may be a down back. It may be a, you know, whatever, um, a transition, which is what we call suicide. So um, we have a lot, a lot of ways we hold players accountable. One is through FEM. One is brick save system. Um, I think there's got to be some level of accountability 
to get your kids to change any type of behavior, whether it be playing really hard or um, no matter what it is, philosophy wise, if you want kids on your bench having tremendous energy, you've got to hold them accountable in some way or that behavior just probably will never change. When it comes to the scramble system in particular, what would you say are your core principles that the players have to understand? Number one, you got to pick the ball up in the backcourt with no pressure on the ball, influencing it up a sideline. That way the ball will theoretically not cross half court in the middle of the court, because if it does, the all bets are off. We're not going to trap you. You don't want to trap in the middle because the guy with the ball has more options. You want to use the sideline and half court as that sixth defender, so to speak. So once it crosses half court, your guy that your next available defender up the sideline who should start in what we call great initial position, kind of halfway between his man and the ball, he's going to sprint and trap the ball. And as he is sprinting, the next available defender closest to him, it's like he's pulling him on a string out to deny his man the ball. So the fifth defender for us is the player that can see the other four on the court. The rule is if you can see your other four teammates, you are the goaltender. So what happens is you have two guys trapping the ball, and they stay in the trap the entire time until the ball is either shot or passed. Two interceptors, the next two closest defenders to the ball, will be denying you know, the next two obvious passes. And the only scenario where that gets really challenging is if they flash somebody to the middle of the floor and they have three outs. And that's why Coach Smith, when I was in Carolina, always preached no matter who or where you're getting trapped, you always want to get three outlets because in theory, if there's three outlets and they've got two interceptors, they got to kind of pick their poison there. So what we do on the defensive side, when we scramble and trap the point guard across half court, we have a drill where we teach kids to stay in the middle, but shade towards the guy that's going to hurt us the most. In, in that scenario, when they have three outlets, we'll have two interceptors, one taken away the middle, one taking away the pass, usually up the sideline. And if they're going to make any pass, one pass away, it'll be to the guy towards half court. Now, obviously, we would love to have defenders that can read the guy in the trap. If he's got his back turned to the guy half court, we can just lock down on total deny the guy in the middle and up the sideline. Um, but if the guys in the trap aren't putting tremendous on-ball pressure, which we call T-O-B-P, tremendous on-ball pressure, that's obviously a problem. But oftentimes what will happen is we'll force them into that skip pass, and then the goaltender will fly to that and sometimes get a deflection still, which often leads to a fast break dunk or layup for us. Now, in the scenario that they do complete a pass out of the trap, everybody is taught to sprint to the paint and build out so we don't give up a layup. But oftentimes you'll see that, and this is what Coach Smith emphasized in Chapel Hill for many, many years, if you're sprinting to the paint, that guy that catches that first pass out of the trap will try to force a pass to somebody that they think is open for a layup. And if we have everybody sprinting to the paint, we'll get a steal on that second pass as well. Is it difficult for them to know who they're going towards? Well, the rule is if you're the closest defender to the guy that catches the first pass out of the trap, obviously you take that. Everybody else sprints to the paint, and then you just collectively talk and pick up. And we could care less who's guarding who as long as it's five good guys, Davis and Davey players, picking up five bad guys, so to speak. Um, we don't care about mismatches. Mismatches don't beat you. Open shots do. Uh, sometimes your opponent, the coach will be yelling mismatch, mismatch, and a player will end up taking a really bad shot because he thinks He's got a score because of the quote-unquote mismatch. So we could care less about that in those scenarios. We just want to build toughness. 
We want our kids talking at a high level and communicating at that point, just pick up five on five. Now, obviously, throughout the possession, if we have our 6'11 post player guarding the opponent's point guard and we have the opportunity to switch back, we will. But again, initially, we could care less about that. We just want to pick up. And, and you know, as well as I'm sure you've been around the game as long as, as you have, you know, getting kids to talk consistently is not always the easiest thing to do defensively. So getting guys when you're out recruiting that – uh, make people better by talking and, um, you know, just constantly building that habit every single day and everything you do is so important, not just in the scramble, but really everything offensively, defensively, and communication. Are you only trapping one time? Correct. In the scramble, you trap one time, and then you sprint to the paint, build out, and pick up, and it's back to man-to-man. Now, uh, like I said earlier, there are several different ways to run the scramble. One is the where you trap the point guard right across half court, which I kind of went through that verbally. But also, if you want to trap that first pass to the wing is another way you can do it, uh, where the guy on the point guard will sprint and trap the guy on the wing. In that scenario, if the defender one pass away on the wing will just back up three or four or five steps, make that pass really inviting to the wing, oftentimes that point guard will come down and make that initial pass. Also, you do not want to put tremendous pressure on the point guard so he tries to blow by you because you want to make that pass to the wing. Now, one pass away towards the middle, we teach that defender you've got to deny that if the ball is passed to the middle there when we're running what Coach Smith called the 42 defense, the pass to the wing scramble. Uh, we all bets are off. We do not trap the pass to the middle. Uh, we only pass trap the pass to the wing. The other rules and principles to the scramble apply, um, whether you're trapping right across half court or that first pass. You get two interceptors and a goaltender. Sprint to the middle on the first pass out and then build out and pick up. Every play, every stat, every breakdown, on their own they're essential, but altogether they're undeniable. Introducing Huddle Instat, a new advanced data platform that integrates with sports code and every Huddle product you rely on to create an all-in-one data powerhouse. Huddle Instat's advantage tagging and next-level stat reports help you develop your team, and its global film library helps you find the missing pieces to get the most out of every second of film. Learn more at huddle.com slash a quick timeout. A big thanks to 323 Sports for supporting the show. The guys with 323 Sports are a team dealer providing uniforms, gear, equipment, and more to schools and colleges across the country. I've used them on multiple occasions, and their customer service and low prices are second to none. To find out more, visit 323sports.com, where you can reach out directly to a rep at sales at 323sports.com. They'll be sure to do it right for your sports program. Do you also trap ball screens? We do. Um, we don't is that do part it. of this, or is that just something that you do? It, it's We teach it the same way in terms of rotating to get two interceptors. and a goal I would assume it makes them better Absolutely. At, at, at doing that. Correct. And we have some drills that, you know, I, I go through in the videos where, you know, we, we help our players kind of be that defensive back off the ball and, and kind of play in the middle of two guys. Because in this scenario, your opponent gets three outlets. That's the most difficult circumstance. But oftentimes when you will run the scramble or maybe trap a ball screen or a dribble handoff out of a timeout and you've been hedging the whole game or maybe switching the whole game or icing or whatever it is, however you defend ball screens, they won't mentally know it's coming and they don't get three outlets and you just deny the next two obvious passes. The kid with the ball will panic, throw a bad skip pass, and you're off to the races after you deflection steal. So, yes, we do trap ball screens. We also hedge them. We ice them. 
we switch them. We guard ball screens maybe throughout one game three or four different ways, so our opponent never really knows what's coming. And and I'll change the way we're guarding ball screen from one possession to another just by calling a certain call from the bench. Our players echo that from the bench. Our players are taught to echo that during the game, so everybody's on the same page. Um, and that's been really good to us here at Davis and Davey, where you ch- change the way that you guard dribble handoffs and ball screens throughout one game. Let me go back to the trap because I'm getting the sense like that's where the magic is. If they don't do that well, then kind of everything else is you're just wasting your time. Is there anything detail-wise with the trap itself when you're teaching those guys? Hand position, how far to be, or is it just go trap the ball? No, there's a lot of details to really everything that we do. And um, I knew that. I just gave you the chance to say that. (laughs) I could pick that up from our first 10 minutes here. You know, and again, as a coach, your players are going to be really good at whatever you emphasize. And so regardless of what you're teaching, at the end of the day, it's the coach's responsibility to emphasize and hold them accountable to whatever it is you're teaching or those things will never become habits. At the end of the day, basketball is a game of habits. So if you don't have good habits, then you're not going to be very good or at least not at a very high level. So uh, the details within the trap, of course, are as soon as that ball screen or dribble handoff is coming, you want to jump that trap and you want to keep the ball corralled is the word that we use. And there's two things that we really emphasize. On the ball, when you come and trap it, depending on your speed, depending on your balance will determine how much heat and pressure you can put on it. But you've got to understand angles. You want to kind of the word, uh, the way we teach it is skate to where the puck is going, not to where it is. Like that's a Wayne Gretzky uh, quote. You don't want to um, get split. So if the guy with the ball tries to split you, you teach your players to cross their feet and take a charge. If they're trying to beat you around the trap, you want to take the correct angle and cut it off and go to where he's going, not to where he's at. So many kids will just come and be out of control and trap and get blown by, and it's pointless. And then now we're in trouble, and we're in scramble mode off the ball trying to rotate, and we oftentimes will lead to an open shot. So the two guys that are trapping the ball cannot get too much pressure on them where you're getting blown by, but obviously you got to be able to put pressure as well and use your length and mirror the ball with your hands take his vision away. But the most important thing is to keep the ball in the trap and not let it be drug across the court because that oftentimes will change who the interceptors are and things can get confusing. So when we're drilling this in practice, we're teaching kid how to trap, how to mirror the ball with their hands, how not to get split by crossing their feet, the angles in which to take to cut them off so they don't let the guy with the ball turn the corner and not let them cross from one side of the court to the other because that oftentimes will lead to a lot of confusion in terms of who the interceptors are in goaltender. Okay, so how do you like to teach this? Is this a lot of one-on-one, three-on-three, five-on-five, you build up, whole part whole? For them to understand the whole thing, how are you How are you going about that? You have watched the videos, haven't you, Tony? <laughs> we, almost everything we teach, we do whole part whole. I'm a big believer in that method of teaching. That's what Coach Smith used when I was in Chapel Hill, and I'm old school, and um, I'm not re, re, you know, recreating the um, game of basketball. I just teach what I've been taught myself. So, you know, we'll, we'll put the entire group out there five on five. We teach how we trap it. We teach how we rotate off the ball. But then we also have almost every single day of practice defensive breakdown drills. And we start with how we want to trap it. And so it's two on two. 
and we teach kids how to jump trap it. All those things I just went through on the ball, how to trap it. And then we go to four on four where we teach how to rotate off the ball and, uh, you know, get the two interceptors. And then eventually five on five where we end up having two interceptors and a goal team. There is a really important drill that we use to teach kids how to play in the middle of two guys. If the opponent gets three outlets, which I described a little bit ago, it's in my videos where, you know, you got to be that guy in between two opponents where you're having to kind of pick your poison, so to speak, as to which one's the most threatening pass that will hurt us. You want to make sure you shade towards that one. But also we teach if the guy's back is to a third teammate, you can ignore that one and just deny the other two, which I kind of described that scenario a few minutes ago. So, yes, we do whole part whole, but we also have breakdown drills where we teach how to trap on the ball and how to rotate off the ball. And, of course, the drill where kids are that defensive back and they're in the middle of playing two opponents. When it comes to actual the practice time, however long you're practicing, do you do segments offense and now we're going to work on our defense or you do a lot of everything together what does that look like so yeah that's a great question um you know uh, when we're implementing our offense or implementing our defense early in the season we'll, we'll do the whole part first show it to them then we go to breakdown drills as i just described and then we circle back around towards the end of practice five on five like maybe in shell drill we'll work on early help cricket recovery. Then we'll work on baseline drives. Then we work on ball screens, which is where we'll go through all the different ways we guard ball screens in shell drill. So, you know, we're repping it multiple times throughout practice. All right, this possession we're in hedge. This possession we're going to trap. This possession we're going to switch. Because we got to be elite at everything you do uh, or you're not going to beat the better team. So, if you're going to emphasize this, you've got to find time in your practice plan to consistently teach and give kids opportunities to get reps so they're supremely confident in it. Otherwise, on game day, you know, you're going to just be average at a lot of things instead of really good at a few things. And I'm big on being really good at a few things instead of being average at a lot of stuff. So this is something we do almost every single day at some point during practice. Is this system where you want it to be? Or is there anything where you're like, I want to tinker with this a little bit because I think that this could eventually help us a different way. I'm always self-reflecting on everything that we do. And I'm always trying to learn more and better ways to teach what we're doing. And um, so of course I'm constantly looking inwardly and and also outwardly to find what other people are doing well um, that I can implement as a coach to help our players be more successful. So Uh, One of the things that we have not been great at, in my opinion, is once we figure out, yes, we are going to trap this game, and then all of a sudden that point guard has figured out how to handle that pressure and they're blitzing us through the middle. You know, as a coach, I have to make a decision what the best way to guard ball screens are because so many teams now, as you know, Tony, are running ball screens. Ball screens, ball screen, ball screen. And some of them have a lot of really good ball screen sets and offenses out there. One of those we played two years ago in the national championship. Des Moines head coach runs an incredible ball screen offense. I stayed up till four in the morning the night before the national championship game, looking at all the different sets he ran in their ball screen offense. And, 
And, and we had been switching and trapping ball screens the majority of the second half that season. Our kids did not have a lot of reps hedging, which was my fault. Going into that game, we started trapping. Early on, we created a lot of offense off our defense. We went up, I think, it maybe up six or eight points early. Then that he was a Division One point guard. He figured it out. They got three outlets, and he started making plays. Well, then we went to switch because we had been switching the majority of the season as well as trapping. We had not been hedging, as I said a minute ago. So when we switched our five, nine point guard on their six, 11 post player, that was a problem. So the one thing I would say is that I need to do a better job of is throughout the season, make sure our players are elite at all the different ways we guard ball screens, not just switching and trapping, but hedging and icing. And I kind of, throughout that season learned that you can't just be elite at two ways to guard them because if you are and you need that third way in that scenario, I had done a poor job throughout that second half of that season preparing our guys to guard ball screens by hedging. So, yeah, I think you need a lot of different ways to guard ball screens and dribble handoffs, especially in 2023 because you're going to see a lot of that. So I'm going to end up with a lot of coaches who are going to be interested in seeing more about this or learning more about this. What resources do you have available or where would you point them? Number one, you mentioned earlier, I have those three DVDs that are out. Uh, well, one of uh, the DVDs is on the five out motion, but the other two is on um, the scramble defense, as well as the second one is on uh, trapping baseline drives, ball screens and dribble handoffs. So you could certainly purchase those, but I'm available really for phone calls, um, Zoom calls or anybody attending our practices Anything I can do to help another coach learn, uh, you know, I've been blessed to learn a lot from a lot of coaches in my life, going to coaching clinics, reading books, you know, anything I can do to help anybody out there, no matter what level, um, please give me an email call, text or whatever, and I'll be glad to share what I've learned through being around people a lot smarter than me. But at the same time, if there's others out there that have ways that they're doing it, that I can learn from, I'd love, love to pick their brains. So, Tony, thank you so much. I feel humbled and honored to even be on your show. That's Coach Matt Ridge, head coach for the Davidson Davy Community College Storm. A lot of great stuff, a lot of great detail. Coach, I appreciate you coming on the show. Thank you so much, Tony.